Hello and welcome to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support Catholic women towards growth in all areas of their life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through our online courses, the Catholic Women's Masterclass, our live virtual events and The Genius Podcast. This week's Genius Podcast guest is the very beautiful Monique May from Melbourne. Australia. She is the founder of Confident Womanhood and she is going to share a really powerful story about her journey through some trauma and how the Lord has brought her to a place of healing and restoration and how this is an ongoing journey. In her story, you will find hope and encouragement and you will also find the permission to be who God created you to be and to share your story as a gift to the women that you do life with. Before you listen to this podcast, I'd like to mention that Monique is sharing her story of PTSD that's come from sexual abuse background. While she doesn't focus on this for very long, it is a big part of her story. And I just want to be aware that this may be a trigger for some women. So I just wanted to let you know ahead of time. I really hope and pray that you enjoy this episode. As I said, it's a very powerful story of the redemption and the restoration of Jesus Christ. Sit back, relax and enjoy this week's episode with Monique. Well, Monique, welcome to the Genius Podcast. It's so wonderful to have you with us today. You're coming to us all the way from Melbourne in Australia. Yes, thank you for having me. And you're just coming out of lockdown down there, aren't you? Yes, a little bit later than the rest of Australia. (laughs) Yes, and you were saying before that it hasn't really affected you as much as some other people. Yeah, um, I've been quite blessed in that um, because we homeschool. Um, my kids haven't really been affected as much and neither have I. And I'm a homebody, so I like to be at home anyway. Nice. Uh, so I haven't really felt like I needed to go out or anything. So it hasn't been so hard for yeah. me. Yeah, um, good a lot of people. So I'm, so, yeah, I'm sending like all of the, the love to everyone. <laughs> like, come out and be like, yes, finally. Yes. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, look, it's such a such a gift to have you. I've been following you on Instagram. I think I came across your page last year. Yeah, you started the Genius Project, and I just love some of the content and your vulnerability and your realness with your story, and just your courage in sharing your story with others. And so today, we're going to share a little bit about your story and and go deeper into, I guess, this experience of trauma that you experienced, and then the diagnosis of PTSD and just that struggle in your early 20s to, I guess, incorporate that into your life and and integrate it into who you are and what you're doing today because that's really now become a part of your mission to serve women. And so I'd love to, that's where we're going to go in this conversation. But before we jump into that, would you share a little bit about who you are and where you're from, what you do down in Melbourne? Yes, sure. So I am in sunny Melbourne (laughs) to joke about. Um, I have two kids, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, and I am currently pregnant with our third who's due in a few weeks, um, married to uh, my husband, Charles, who is a aged care, um, well, he's in aged care. Um, and, yeah, basically homeschooling our kids, our two kids, and originally from Sydney. So I've had um, quite an experience in Sydney as well and um, decided to move to Melbourne 
for a different lifestyle. Um, but yeah, that's basically who I am and where I am yes. from South Africa. Well, born in South Africa. I like to say born because when people say like, that they're from there, it sort of implies that that's, you know, a, the chunk of where they're. Yes. So I, I grew up in Australia. I'm very Australian. And um, yeah, that's sort of my heritage is South African. Yes. Um, so You've yeah. got that lovely accent. There's a little bit of a, <laughs> a, little bit of a dip in how, there. How old were you when you came to Australia? I was 13. Okay. Was that a big yeah. transition for you? Uh, it was a very hard transition yeah. for me, to be honest, to come from a completely different culture and mm. change and sort of, you know, looking like I do and coming into a, a predominantly white culture was very difficult was it but I think it really um it it, I think it challenged me and it helped me understand the difference in the world that there are different cultures and different Mm. people that look different and all that sort of stuff so it's very interesting to come at 13 when you're sort of at that stage of such a critical critical time of your life yeah, yeah definitely yeah, wow. And so when did how old were you when you moved down to Melbourne? Was that after you got well, married? So this is the this is the um second time that we've lived that we've moved to Melbourne. Is it? <laughs> yes. We made the decision to move back to Sydney um after a few years and then we moved back about okay. like just over two years ago. Um so yeah, I've been here for just over two years now. Um yeah. Just in time for the lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> we came and then, you know, a couple of months, mm. uh, yeah, a couple of months later we were in lockdown and I was like, oh, my gosh, what is like. Welcome to Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, the world just went upside down as soon as we came. Yes. Um, but, yeah, you know, the world, everybody was in the same situation. So I, I, we didn't really feel too bad. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. how long have you been married to your husband? Um, we're going on, we're nine years, um, yeah, yeah, nine years married. So it'll be, yeah, our big 10 years next, um, fantastic. It is very exciting. We had our 20th wedding anniversary this year, which is, it's crazy because I remember our 10th and I'm like, where did 10 to 20 go? (laughs) It's like, holy moly, that's just (laughs) gone in a moment. (laughs) I think the first 10 years are always quite slow. Mm-hmm. It's like a slow burn. And um, you're really trying to fit, aren't you, together yeah, in those first yeah, 10? We're trying to figure yes. everything out still mm-hmm. in the first 10 years. And I still feel like we're in that honeymoon phase. Like we're not quite, um, I mean, we've been through a lot of stuff to yeah. sort of cram into the first nine years. I feel like a lot of people don't even touch on the stuff that we've had to deal with mm. in the last nine years. But, um, yeah, I think that's why it's probably gone slower than expected because we've had to deal with so many obstacles. Of, yes, but yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and, look, one of those obstacles was, I guess, your diagnosis, wasn't it, with PTSD, post-traumatic yeah. stress disorder. Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of people think PTSD is something that the Vietnam veterans got or people yeah. that went to war. And I, do, I know in my life and my experience walking with women that this is actually a very common experience for women, men as well, yeah. who have been through trauma. And so you don't actually have to have been through war to have a diagnosis or experience PTSD. And that was your experience. What age were you? How long ago were you diagnosed? 
Is so um, I was diagnosed in 2017, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, like I say, I believe because my memory of so much in my past has basically evaporated into thin air. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not, it hasn't really evaporated. It's basically my, my mind and myself trying to protect my, myself from all of these things. Mm-hmm. So I've mm-hmm. a lot of stuff out. But 2017 was the year that I was diagnosed with PTSD. Yeah. And the first time I'd ever really heard, you know, that acronym. Okay. I, I was like, okay. Please. What explain. is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah please explain. Yeah, I, I, I said to my GP, I'm like, explain this to me. Mm. I don't understand what you're talking about. Mm. Um, and I even remember when I went into my um, my GP and I had to fill out, you know, the questionnaire that they give you and all that stuff. Her face sort of, she went pale and she was like, you know, mm. I, I just need to make a phone call. And I thought what is so terrible that I've just, you know, told you that you need to look that way. I freaked out. I thought, oh, my gosh, am I dying? Mm. What is going on? Mm. Um, And she immediately said, like, you know, you need um, basically like the most intense um, therapy that we can give you. And I thought, what do you mean? Like I'm functioning. (laughs) I'm not you know, there's a lot of people out there in the waiting room that are probably worse off than me. What do you want? What do you mean? And I'd, I'd been to therapy therapy before, but not, I mean, it was sort of because mum told me I needed to go. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really um, because I was struggling or mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, yeah, that was the first time I heard it and needed an explanation. So what what took you to the GP office that day? Was it for something else or were you well, starting actually, to struggle? Well, a friend of mine that I connected with had told me that she was seeing a therapist and that it was really helping her. And she was talking to me about some experiences in her life and things like that. And I'm in my head going, that's the same thing that I'm going through or that's mm. or what I feel or whatever. Yes. And she said, oh, you should go to your GP and just, like, ask um, for resources or see if there's, like, you know, a therapist that you can go and see, but you need a referral. I was like, okay. So I headed on to my GP and that's pretty much why. It's- like, nothing had, I mean, I had just, and going, like, looking back, obviously, I had a lot of aggression issues, a lot of anger issues, mm-hmm. um, a lot of emotional um, detachment all of that sort of stuff. But I just thought that was normal. I'm like, oh, okay. You were, yeah. <laughs> how I am. Yeah. Um, until she started saying, you know, no, it's not actually normal and you need to see your GP about it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what I did. I went to my GP and that's got that got the ball rolling basically. Yes. And so was it hard to take that step then to going to get help or seek therapy or were you quite open to that? It was it was hard, um, only because I felt like I was now I was doing this therapy again, mm. um, and I thought, but it's is it really gonna be? Is it really necessary? Like, am I gonna get anything out of it? Um, I've been before. Like, what's the point yeah. of doing this all over again? So you didn't really feel like there was any big issues in your life that, yeah. 
on the surface level yeah on the surface I felt like I um you know I was just dealing with my emotions Mm -hmm. um in a way that I knew how you know knowing that walls were normal for people (laughs) you know (laughs) making like making dents in my walls or you know yelling at my husband or yelling at my kids isn't that normal behavior I just figured well a lot of women do that because we're under a lot of pressure yes so um I never ever connected it with anything that was in my past or anything I had experienced in my past I just thought this is I'm under a lot of pressure, I've got two kids and, you mm. know, they're driving me mental. That's what I had to <laughs> Which they do. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, this is what happens. But it's, it? Yeah, and I think you're right. And I do think it's often in, <clears throat> excuse me, in those years where we, we're in that pressure cooker. It often yeah. happens whether it's marriage or work or kids or grief and loss or sometimes it just brings it has a way of bringing stuff to the surface I know my background was in nursing and I'll gross everybody out but I love um, pus and wounds (laughs) it's like one of my sick things but um they all knew to send the the patients to me with the grossest wounds but we'd often if they had like something that was under the skin there's an ointment you could put on it and it would bring it to the surface because they couldn't actually heal and get better until that had come to the surface and so I think for many of us, whether it's PTSD or whether it's just dealing with our own baggage or our family of origin, like there comes a point in our life, it generally happens late 30s, 40s. It just depends on situations and seasons, but where things start to come to the surface. And sometimes we're living as women, particularly in this survival mode where we're the perpetual givers, we're constantly in the hustle, we're constantly doing yeah. And slowly these things are coming up, but when we don't have the time and space to process or to understand what's happening, and then sometimes either it's an explosion or yeah. something happens. Yeah. And for you going to the GP that day where it just it comes to the surface and yeah. you have to deal with it because yeah. once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. And I think this is the way the Holy Spirit works. And for many of us, we couldn't cope with seeing the full um, picture of everything at a particular age or season. But when we're Christian, when we're following the Lord, he has a very gentle way of just leading us, painful as it may be and difficult as it may be, but at His, in his timing, he will bring, bring that to the surface to be dealt with. And I guess there are some people who choose not to deal with it and they numb and they block and they continue in their dysfunction. And there are other people who are prepared to do the hard work, which is what you've done yourself over the years. So it's quite a journey. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think anyone actually ever arrives at the point of, whoa, abracadabra, I'm done. I've I've overcome this. It's really this journey. It's an up and down journey of learning to integrate that into who you are and to yeah, yeah. walk towards wholeness in Christ. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean everything is going to be great, but it means he will heal and restore yeah. um, those areas. And so yeah, yeah. I'd love you to share with us if you're, if you're open just about, I guess, often we have a, a moment that or we have an accumulation of things that happen to us which lead to that. For you, that was around abuse and mm-hmm. that happened at a young age for you, didn't it? Yes. Um, so between the ages of seven and 10, I was sexually abused by a close family member of mine who we trusted and I trusted and I loved very much and thought, you know, that was 
the person that's going to protect me and keep me safe. Um, mm. So for for a lot of my childhood, um, a lot of my childhood has been blocked out because of the trauma um, that I experienced from seven to ten. So yeah, it was mm. very difficult for me. And that's really what came to the surface for you, which triggered this diagnosis, isn't it? Um, yeah, which is, I mean, when the therapist sort of delved deep and started asking me, you know, about my past and stuff like that, that's definitely the first thing I said, because like I mentioned previously, I'd been to therapy before um, when I had disclosed all of this information to my parents and my mum said, oh, you need to go to therapy. Like, you mm-hmm. know, this is we can't deal with this as a family. You need to see someone. Yes. I went. um, And when I think about it, like I think I've been to six therapists um, and a psychotherapist as well. I've been to a lot of people. Um, And I I think it's important to recognize that sometimes it's not going to be the first time you go Mm. to therapy. Absolutely. Second or third or fourth. Um, it may be something something else in your life that is going to be that trigger for you to actually propel you to the next step and the next stage of healing. Mm-hmm. Because for me, the therapy was really just the first step. Um, and even now I, I, I still see a therapist um, mm-hmm. because it's important for me to maintain that healing and continue to seek help when I feel like I'm not coping. Um, But when I went to see my GP, that even for me, I was still in denial. I was still like, I can do this on my own. It's fine. You know, the therapist will give me a few tools and I'll do that. And that's okay. She'll be happy. I'm doing her work for, you know, however many days I need to, that's okay. We'll do this. And, you know, I'll show everyone I'm coping and I'm doing okay. And I would have these mental conversations with myself mm-hmm. to just make sure that everyone, okay, is my husband, does my husband think I'm fine? Okay, good. Does mom think I'm fine? Good. Do the kids see happy mom? Yeah. But on the inside, I was still struggling. Like I was nowhere near where I needed to be mentally. Yeah. Um, and didn't realize that I think until 2019. So it took about, <laughs> yeah, it took about two years for me yeah. to sort of really dive into my healing and my inner work. Mm. And so that that inner work, and this is something. So whether women have been through PTSD or a similar experience to you or not, we all have to do our work. right it's just it's so important and it's really important for our kids if we're raising children or in the workplace for our marriages because those wounds or those things that happen to us in life whatever they are they do come out and and there's that saying you know that what's not healed or transformed is transferred and so if we choose and it is a choice it's a choice not to deal with it yes might not feel like it but it actually is a choice And um, it is a difficult journey, but when you push through that, Jonathan often says to our kids, there's magic on the other side of fear, you know, like when you actually push through and you do get that resistance, like because our brains are actually hardwired to keep us safe. Yeah. So our our brains do not want to go to any difficult, painful part. And so it's much easier to block and numb and keep going. But when we do push through that resistance, I think that's one thing I really want to encourage women in their lives is just to push through the resistance, however that shows up, 
Because if you persevere through that and you do that soul work, that is actually where transformation in Christ and healing does happen. And you've experienced that in your life. And you were saying, you know, yes, therapists play an important part, but you've got a beautiful parish priest. You've got a support network. Yeah. So I guess could you share with us a little bit about, I guess, the role of your faith and how your faith has really helped you in terms of that journey? Yeah. Um, I would say that's the number one reason why I am healing and mm-hmm. because I feel like the journey is always going to be a healing one. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be, I'm never going to be completely healed, as they say. Yeah. Um, it is a continuous journey. Mm-hmm. My faith the only thing that basically saved me. Um, is it? I've shared the story, I think, a few times on my Instagram page just because it's such a powerful one for me. I was literally um, leaving my marriage, leaving my kids. Mm. 2019 was a tough year for my husband mm. to deal with the me that I was. Yes. I was struggling a lot and very confused as to which direction I'm supposed to be going in. You know, um, I felt like I needed to be selfish and I needed to, you know, I say selfish at that that point I was thinking I needed to take care of myself I need to put myself first but those are the types of um you know the type of language I was using to sort of cover up what was really going on Mm. and I thought oh my gosh I'm this is not like I don't want to be married to this man anymore like he doesn't he doesn't get me he doesn't see me blah 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 and my kids are too much and you know this is all too much yes Um, and I had to go through the worst of it before you get, like, before I had to get to the the good bits. Yes. Um, and I remember when I, uh, when I came back from an overseas trip, I took an overseas trip by myself because I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, take care of myself and do all these things I love, um, including, be unfaithful to my husband and be unfaithful to my kids and do all of that stuff that, you know, these, these young women get to do. Mm. And I thought that would fix me. I Mm. thought if I could, if I could just live my life the way I want to do it, I'll be happy. Yeah. Um, And I remember being on my trip overseas and this was the moment that um, I think changed everything for me was I was in, in the shower and, you know, I, I had already been unfaithful. I'd already betrayed my husband and it was already over basically. Mm-hmm. But I, something came over me in the shower, an uncontrollable feeling of release. I just cried and sobbed, went on the floor. Like um, my legs couldn't hold me anymore, just cried and cried. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling such relief and such um, just a release of all of the baggage that I had been carrying for the past, you know, 28 years, all just in that moment mm-hmm. in the shower, just flowing down the drain. It was all leaving my body. And I literally felt like, Jesus's arms were around me, hugging me in that shower. And 
it was in that moment where I realized this whole time I thought I was doing this on my own, but I was never alone. I was never by myself. I was, I was just pushing everyone away, including my faith. Mm. I didn't want to have anything to do with church. I didn't want to have anything to do with prayer or my Bible or anything like that until that moment. And my eyes opened, my heart opened again. And it was a, a real discovery of what, God's love and unconditional love looked like. Mm. And I think from that moment, it yeah, it changed everything. I, I could have made a decision to, to say, okay, you know, well, I've, the damage is done now. My husband won't ever take me back. I might as well just let it go, start a new life somewhere, you know, yeah. but I didn't. I said, I'm going to own up to everything that I've done. I'm going to talk to him and tell him everything and be honest um, when I get home. And mm. and God will take care of the rest. And how did that go? That's, that's um, very big. Uh, that was the, probably the hardest conversation you've mm. ever had to have. Yeah. Um, and God really did take care of everything else because my husband held my hands. He looked at me. He was hurt and disappointed mm-hmm. and probably extremely angry, um, but he decided that he wasn't going to walk away and I decided I wasn't going to walk away. And we've been working on our marriage ever since then. Um, and quite frankly, it's my marriage now is the best, yeah. the best it's ever been because of all of that stuff. And, you know, as you mentioned before with, with the past, I feel like that's what happened. Mm. I had to go through the worst pain and put him through the worst pain ever to have all of that stuff come up to the surface for us. Mm. And then we could finally put our lives back together. Yeah. And now the, at the forefront of our relationship and the forefront of our family is Christ, Mm. no matter what, we're, we're faithful, we're true to our faith, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never had that before. I never had that. I was baptized Catholic, grew up in a Catholic church, yeah. very strict Catholic family, but never had the faith like I do now because of that moment. Mm-hmm. And that moment, you know, from from my my childhood sexual trauma, had to be it was like a slow burn all the way up until that moment and you know it's funny because I never really connected the two um, things I always thought it was my mistake it was on me it was all this until I had to do the work the inner work and really understand the childhood trauma um, affects your brain affects your entire makeup of your body, it affects so many parts of your life that you really think that all of these decisions that you're making are ones that are rational and ones that are, you know, I'm thinking straight, I'm, I'm clear, I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But in actual fact, it's a rewiring of your brain that you had no idea Happens. what's happening. Yeah. Um, and so it was really an eye-opener for me and it was something that I had to... Um, really accept and and work through uh by no means was it easy but i feel like that's what gives me the understanding to sort of say 
there's a reason why before, you know, before I make an action or a decision, there's a reason why I'm going to go that way or consciously yes. myself, no, actually we're going to go this way mm. and we're going to make this decision because that one wasn't going to be a good one. That's right. Um, whereas before I wasn't able to do that because I hadn't pinpointed that my PTSD was driving a lot. Yeah, it was yeah. driving every decision I made. Yes, and I think that you pick up on something really important there, Monique, and that is that so often we are just reacting in life. Now, whether that's just in the day-to-day grind yeah. of motherhood or whether it's on a bigger level where there is trauma and everything yeah. in between, so often we just react and we're, we're often driven by our emotions and our feelings. So we don't feel this way, so then we we react and we act out in certain ways but I think you know one of the things that we do at the genius project is really looking at that mindset training one of the things we do in the master class is looking at how we can rewire I guess our thoughts in the light of Christ and under the gaze of the Holy Spirit because there are so many lies and things that we believe and they're not even uh, you know in our consciousness yeah. so much of our self-worth and images formed at a very young age and so we're acting out of that place so whether or not any woman's been through trauma or not all of us are invited to do that work on ourselves and I think to become and the word we use is intentional and that's what you're picking yeah. up on yeah to be really intentional to slow life down to go notice the thought and to capture the thought as it's yeah. going through then looking at the emotion and the feeling driving and then the behaviours. Yeah, and yeah. like you said, like we're not the animals. God's given yeah. us an intellect, a free will, so we can impose our will and our reason over our emotions. And, yeah. you know, we often say, you know, love is a decision that you make, not a feeling you feel, and it's actually a decision you make in spite of how you feel a lot of the time. And that's yeah, what, yeah. what you're picking up on. But yeah. your story is amazing and there's just such redemption and restoration there and the power of Christ. And yeah. I think when women, I mean, I know I've, in different areas, I haven't been through trauma myself, but people very close to me, my family have. And, um, you know, when you reach that point, you really, it, there's, yeah, it's just, it's a quite a challenging place to be, isn't it? Because there's a lack of hope. Yeah. And I think when we feel hopeless or, or like you use the words, things have gotten out of control, I may as well give up. Like it's gone too far. There's no hope from here. Yeah. But we have to remember as Christians that we always have hope in Jesus yeah. Christ exactly. and that he can make the most beautiful beauty from ashes. He can restore anything that is broken. And I think that I'd love you to just speak into that for a moment about your experience of, I guess, the power of Jesus Christ and that restoration, because we can do all the therapy, we can do all the self-help. And I believe that is absolutely crucial when you're going through your journey, but it can take you to a certain point, that final point, which is what you picked up and is the grace of Christ. Can can you speak into that for a moment, I guess, about your experience of faith in your restoration and recovery? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's beautiful what you said, like, you know, um, he restores the broken. I did feel like I was broken and there was no coming back Mm -hmm. from, from anything from my trauma. Like I felt like I was completely um, shattered into pieces as it from a child, from, you know, the age of seven, I felt, okay, well, there's no hope for me. Um, No one's going to love me. No one's going to um, appreciate me or, Um, I won't be able to have a whole family like so many others because of what happened to me because I'm so broken. 
but God doesn't doesn't care about our past. He doesn't care about um, our mistakes. It's important that I had to sort of understand um, that it was with him that I'm able to heal. It was mm. with him that I'm able to be re- restored and healed um, through his grace and mercy, not my own, um, you know, not my own, um, I guess, uh, workings. I wasn't going to go out there and, and fix myself. Mm. Um, it wasn't going to be just me. I had to work with him and alongside um, him and, and really take guidance from from what he was saying to me and what he was putting in in my life and in my in places that um or taking things away for once I was listening I was actually not fighting (laughs) I was aware and I was surrendering and I was saying okay you know I know that your plans are bigger I know that your plans are for me and not against me. I know that your plans are going to see me through and prosper me and prosper my family. And I know that um, praying for the things that are for me and not against me are going to help. You know, I felt like I was praying for all the wrong things. Like I was praying for this life that's freeing and, you know, this life that um, was easy, but, he said that's not what is for you that's not your purpose you went through this trauma at seven years old to help others that's Mm. your purpose i didn't put you through the fire for you to burn i could finally accept that my trauma was the reason for a lot of my decisions that i was making so i had to accept first i had to say okay yes i see I see the error, I see the mistakes and I see why. So I had to accept that and really take accountability for the mistakes that I'd made in my past as well and not just forge them onto someone else and say, well, it was because this person hurt me when I was seven. Um, It's all that person's fault. Mm. Yes, they're at fault for what they did to me, but everything else I can now change and I wasn't going to hold on. I needed to forgive, I needed to let go and then move forward with my healing process. And I think once I realized I needed to forgive, not for them, but for me, mm. so that I could heal, yeah. it was a process of of just constant prayer. My husband prays over me. I It's something that we do together to make sure that we're constantly um, on the same page mm-hmm. um, and just allowing the healing and the grace and the mercy of God to con- to come to me and to hold on to that and to see that that's, mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. I don't think that the outside elements are or the external, you know, a lot of people give me um, self-help books. Mm. I really appreciate them for. I-, I love that they do that. Yes. But I think I've probably read one um, from front to back. Yes. I feel like those are really great resources for a lot of people. They really do help. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I felt like I needed to, to stay true to my faith and to stay true to, like, my self-help book is my Bible. Mm, <laughs> beautiful. More, mm-hmm. There's more in there that I, could, that I could probably get in 
3,000 lifetimes of self-help books. Mm. Um, well, Jesus is the ultimate, like, self-helper, isn't he? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, He's yeah. the ultimate motivational speaker. Yes. Um, he knows exactly. And, and the great thing about, about that is that he knows me better than I know myself. Yeah. So before I even make the wrong move or even before I make the right one, he's there. He knows he's already gone before me and he's already forged that path for me. So I don't have any fears when it comes to where is, where am I going to be in the next five years? Or, you know, there was a lot of that doubt thinking, Oh, I'm not going to be healthy. I'm not going to be healed. I'm not going to be okay. But I am because I place all of my trust in, in him, not in myself. Absolutely. And I think that's a big part of it. There's two things I want to pick up on there. The first one is that all that self-help, personal development stuff, which we acknowledge is very good. There's a lot of goodness in it. In fact, I think a lot of that actually comes from faith, (laughs) but it's just, you know, but it's a little, you know, it doesn't give the full picture and the full revelation of total transformation and happiness. And and one thing you pick up on is, you know, you were looking for fun and freedom and happiness because you were just looking for those things but in all the wrong places. And even though they seemed easy, yeah. it was actually the the narrow path, the harder path that actually led you to happiness, joy and, you know, ex- transformation. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. And the other thing there is just you're talking about faith and Faith is just so important. When people are going through, I guess, what you've been through or they've got those difficulties, that therapy does um, complement the faith, doesn't it? Like we, you also, like, yes, we can have faith and we need to pray for transformation and revelation, but we also need to take the practical steps ourselves to help ourselves. You know, that beautiful quote, I often quote St. Augustine, he who created you without your cooperation, he won't save you without your cooperation that we need to be active participants with the Lord in our own life and our own healing. So we actually, we can't just sit back and say, oh, Lord, heal me, and then yeah. go, why hasn't he healed me? Exactly. And, and I think you picked up on a really important thing, like this experience that you had is a part of your story. And we have, I have them, everybody has experiences, um, good, bad, the ugly, the traumatic and it's not about overcoming them as it is about living through them and allowing Christ to heal us and walk with us and transform us so that we can grow more fully into who he has created us to be. And I think so often he actually uses our mess to then yes. lead us to our mission. Yes. And if we don't do that work, and it's hard work, it's bloody hard work. Like yeah. I've, I've done it on myself. My husband's done his hard work. Lots of people I know have, and it's not fun. It's ugly. It's yeah. You feel like giving up. It's not like one day you wake up and you're like, I'm all good now. Yeah. And, and you would say that too, wouldn't you? Yes. It's, it's, it's constant work in progress. Yeah. But, yes, there is this element here of just keep moving forward and, and keep taking those steps. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like you and I, I love, you know, the saying that anything worth doing isn't easy mm. um, because then it wouldn't be worth it. The reward at the end wouldn't be worth it. If the whole process was easy and a breeze, mm. we get to the end and we're like, oh, well, that's nice. Mm. The whole reason why it's difficult and why God says follow me is because it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. And, we're gonna, you know, I had a lot of people like a lot of friends that I've had from for a very long time 
just disappear and say, well, you know, you're not the person that I thought you were. And I say, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not because this is the person that I'm meant to be. I was called to be this person, Mm -hmm. not the person that I was pretending to be most of my life. That person is dead now. The person that I am today and the person that I'm working on every single day is the person that God created. That's the person. Mm -hmm. I ran away from this person for a long time and was in denial. But, um, and that's why a lot of people, you know, I've got a a lot of friendships that have disappeared. Um, And I think we sort of feel like sometimes if that happens, it's our fault or, you know, oh no, what am I going to do without those friendships that I've had for over 20 years? Well, you're going to live. That's what you're going to do. And you're going to forge new, stronger and more healthy relationships that are going to serve you and mm-hmm. that are going to walk with you through this journey of healing and not deter you or distract you from your purpose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think one thing I was trying to pick up on was just this idea that um, like the mess in our lives becomes our mission. And that's one thing I'd love to wrap up just talking about how the Lord has done that. I mean, you in 2017 and 2019 would have had no inclination or understanding that a few years later you would actually be public about your story and your experience in the hope of offering hope to other women and that mission. They often say we turn the test into a testimony and the mess into a message. And God wastes absolutely nothing in our lives. In Romans, all things work for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So if we are seeking after him as imperfectly as we do that, we're trying to be faithful. He will honour that and he is a faithful God. He's a God of restoration. And so that's what he has done, I guess, in your life, hasn't he? He's really moved your heart towards this sense of mission, of boldness and vulnerability, sharing your story, which is not always easy. But I think when we keep things in the dark and when there's shame around them, that's when they become like a cancer to our soul. So vulnerability is not a weakness. It's actually an incredible gift. And And when you're vulnerable, like I, you know, like you are today, like that is a gift for other women, like giving women permission to either look at those areas in their own life or share their own story so that they realize they're actually not alone. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what we're doing. Um, A confident womanhood is we're trying to encourage women to really share their stories and to be encouraged by other women's stories Mm. and realize that, you know, all our our vulnerabilities and all of our weaknesses that we thought were weaknesses are actually our strengths and that we can we can actually speak life into other women we can from those broken places yeah, that have been restored brokenness um that we thought that we thought made us um hopeless uh, you know, made us unnecessary in society. Mm-hmm. It actually is our strength and we have so much purpose. Um, and I, I mean, I didn't think that I would be sitting here talking to you on your podcast and sharing my story, but I know that, you know, every step of the way God has guided me um, and said, you know, we're going to put this in front of you today. We're going to try and challenge you with this today. And I always say, I can't do it. I'm not worthy of doing that. What do you mean? I don't have the strength. Um, And he says, yeah, you do. This is your purpose. This is what you're here for. 
Um, and I feel like every woman's story is worthy of hearing and mm -hmm. someone will get something out of it. Even if you think it's a small thing that you've been through, it's going to change someone's life if you just share it. Um, and that's what we're doing. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's, yeah, that's my, my mission and my purpose is just to continue to tell women to share, share yeah. their joys, share their struggles. Um, yeah. No one's perfect. Um, and, and I think that's important for us to, to realize mm. that, you know, God was the one that saved me so that I can, I can in turn be around so I can share and hopefully save yeah. someone else just by, by them hearing my story and, and just having that moment of clarity and saying, Amen. oh, my gosh, I need, I need help. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Amen. That's beautiful, Monique. Thank you so much. Your story yeah. is just it's very powerful and, and it's such a gift to so many women. And I hope that the women listening to this today really got a lot out of it. I don't know how you couldn't, but it gives me hope, you know, it just it, the encouragement, I think, as well. And also just elevating our gaze to heaven, that realising that Christ is our guiding star yeah. and that he will come to us. Like you said, that moment in the shower, yeah, often yeah. at our when we're completely at the end of our capacity and our self and our own resources and our striving and all of those things, that is where he will come and he will begin to rebuild us as he's done with you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Monique May. Ladies, do you know what is just around the corner? It's Advent. Advent is coming. And this is a season of preparation where we really create a space in our hearts to receive the Lord at Christmas. Now, this year has been crazy. It's been like no other year. We're kind of coming out of lockdown, which kind of feels like the start of the year, but really it's the end of the year. And so I have an invitation for you to join us in our Genius Project Advent Retreat that will be coming up. We'll be releasing details on our social media platforms over the next few days, but I'd love for you to be able to carve out some time and space this Advent to really hear from the Lord. And we've got a whole lot of fantastic stuff coming your way to prepare you and walk you through this Advent season. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week and God bless you.